Hey, it's your boy, TBC, Ellie Banty Kane, on the Jokes and Jocks podcast with my co host, G. Hey Wiley, your favorite Blazian. Oh, yeah. And coming to you live from Los Angeles, California, one of my good friends, my pal, my actor, partner in crime, the talented, very witty, Jay Danone. <laughs> what up, what up, what up? <laughs> what up, fam? So, yeah, man, you know, more recently, I know you're a New England guy, Boston specifically. I think South Boston even more specifically. Yep. Southie guy. Uh, you know, I'm a Bay Area guy, and we got this little uh, this little rivalry now going with the Warriors and the Celtics. Game four tonight. I'm excited. I think my Warriors can pull it out. I'm a little nervous, but I'm still confident we can get it done. What are your thoughts on the series so far? I agree. It's scary. Uh, as a Boston fan and a huge Celtics fan, and don't get me wrong, you know, I love Curry and I love the Warriors and what they do and what they represent, but, you know, I got I to gotta root for my Celtics, man, and I think that they're going to pull it out. We're going to do it in six. Mm. Do you think they get the win tonight, or do you think they got to they gotta back do. up the series? So they're going to go back hard. to the Bay Area, lose one, and then come back and win it in the bean? Yep, I think it's too hard for Curry and them to win in Boston tonight, especially with all the heat Draymond's taken and, you know, the, the country's looking at them now as him the villain and potentially calling them a dirty team. You know, it's just a game. I mean, they're just basketball players. I don't believe they're out there to hurt anybody, but there's been some instances where you feel there was a little bit of aggressive, over-aggressiveness, and I guess that happens when you're in the finals. So, you know, as long as everybody's healthy and nobody's out there trying to hurt each other, it's cool. But I think the fans right in Boston are, are, you know, they're on the Warriors right now. So I see the Celtics winning and then going back to, uh, you know, San Fran and losing but coming back. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I see the Celtics winning and then losing and coming back to Boston to win in six. Hmm. Uh, Jay, I've got a really quick question for you because sure. I, I love the confidence. I have I have Celtics in seven, um, but I want to know because there's been like, obviously you talked about the Traymond and like the heat and the talk and all that stuff and him as a villain in Boston and everything like that. And he's always been the villain, I think, for everybody except for in Golden State. I kind of wanted to ask yeah. you, uh, you know, I don't think that this is, it, if you've ever been to the Garden, if you've ever even been to Boston, you know, Boston fans are passionate and sometimes they'll go over the top and sometimes they'll say, you know, F you Draymond or whatever. And there's going to be obscenities and that's just the nature of the game, especially in the garden. Do you think that this was an over the top reaction from fans and from, from you know, you know, people from Boston to react to Draymond this way and that it wasn't warranted and all that other stuff? I think it was, but you know, I just want your opinion as somebody from Dorchester, uh, Massachusetts. Yeah. Well, look, I grew up in Southie right on the borderline of Dorchester. Southie, when I was growing up, was an all-white area. Dorchester was more of a multicultural area. It's all about mentality and what you think and, and where you're coming from. Now, Boston in general is a very blue-collar blue type of town. All right, iron workers, you know, sheet metal workers, teamsters, you know, you know, hardworking blue collar people. So the mentality and the whole idea of being yourself or, you know, saying the F word or it, it's a little bit more 
the context of it is a little bit more loose in Boston. So I think it's more appalling to the rest of the world or the rest of the country. We're famous for it. You know, other places are more classier and I get it. And I'll admit that <laughs> we're not looking to be the most classiest city, although we are the cleanest city in America. There's no doubt about that. It's a very clean city and, and a good looking city and they take care of it. Well, it's a beautiful place. It's still growing though. You know, it's still growing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows that the, the passion in Boston for any sports team, not just the Celtics, uh, it, it, it brings a lot of weight, and there's a lot of pressure on those teams to win. And I think it, it just comes with the territory of, of wanting to be great. You know, the Celtics have a history of being one of the better basketball franchises, have, you know, for a long time. It's been almost, almost 40 years. I mean, they've won one championship. I would say in the last 40 years. So they've been hungry to get another banner hung. Uh, but I think, you know, what's, what all we're really seeing is the culture of Boston fans being able to, you know, counteract someone like Draymond with their own level of, of, of taunting and, and trying to get under the skin and in the, in the head of the opposing team. Absolutely. And you know what, when you're a Boston fan, and you get together with a stranger who's also a Boston fan and you're both looking at each other and you're having a beer and you're at the game and you're excited and you're loyal to your team and you see your team maybe getting bruised up, beat up. Maybe there's a couple illegal plays, somebody's shorts getting pulled, which is all part of the game. You know, it, it, it gets the fans into the game and then they start to feel like they need to stick up for the players. And, you know, it's like they're brothers. This is like family. This is, they are diehard fans. You're absolutely right, Telling, and you know that from your champion, from playing for the Patriots, and those fans were screaming and yelling for you. Right. Same fans. Yeah. Now, you know, love them or hate them, you know, you're going to get with <laughs> right. awesome fans, right? And they ride for their teams, you know, and they'll let you yeah. know if, 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 if you're not, you know, playing up to par, too. So uh, there's no fair weather happening. They're, they're definitely the, the same, t you know, same type of fans, thick and, thick and thin. Um, but hey, all that being said, the game. You know, I'm riding with my Warriors. You guys think that you know right. Jay thinks it's going to be done in six. G thinks the Celtics yep. are winning in seven. I'm saying the Warriors win tonight. We go back to the Bay. We win again. We may let you guys get one back in Boston, and then you got to come back to the Bay for Game Seven for the upset. I'm sorry, I cannot. Root again, <laughs> my Bay Area brethren. <laughs> you, you, you know what, Tully? I'm okay with that because I still think Boston in seven. That defense is ridiculous. Um, I mean, the coaching change that, you know, happened with, with Jay's Boston Celtics is incredible. Um, my Dookie, my boy, Jason Tatum, is going to light you guys up. So I'm not concerned. I, I'm really not, not concerned with... with with Boston right now, I think that they 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 kill it. They're just they're due, man. They're just due. It's time for the new regime to come and the old regime to go away. Amen. So, uh, I'm with it. I'm with it. Come on, I'm with that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I I would say this: the last game, you know, we were pretty much in control of the game all the way up until the fourth quarter. The referees were definitely getting paid off by the angels. <laughs> oh, let's stop with that. Stop with that. This coming, this coming, no offense. This, 
this coming from a this coming from a former New England Patriot paying off the refs. Stop with that. Stop with that. <laughs> what are you trying to say? What we we didn't, <laughs> we, we we do fair and square when we play when we play. <laughs> and see that's the difference with football and basketball. <laughs> you know you can only you know you can only do so much within the lines as a referee in football. I mean you still got to make the catch. You got to make the tackle. Basketball it's ticky tack. They could call a foul for you breathing on a guy's <laughs> neck. So let's let's be honest now. The referees have a bigger role in basketball than football. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying there are certain things that have happened in the past that have aided in your championships. I'm not saying that you didn't deserve them. Okay. I'm just saying that like a lot of people out there think that some some of those things are suspect, aka Raiders fans and Rams fans are not your biggest fans as far as uh, certain rules that have been passed because of you guys. I, I mean, you're obviously doing something right because the a rule was passed due to, you know, certain games so and certain championships that were won. So I'm, I'm not denying the greatness of Belichick. I'm not denying the greatness of the Patriots. I think that you guys are a wonderful organization. Um, I'm not going to even put it, put it out there, but I'm just, I'm just saying, uh, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's if, all. Well, the, if you don't think the refs had something to do with that last game, I don't know what game you were watching. But yeah, I, but the refs also had something to do with game two, too. <laughs> you can't deny that either. You can't deny that either. Draymond should have been Draymond should have been kicked the f out of that game in game two. No question. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I agree. He should, Absolutely. Like, do you watch the film? You cannot turn a blind eye to that, Tully. Getting soft, Army G. Getting soft. I don't know, Jay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> he, know hey, he knows these refs too well. <laughs> They're having beers in the lobby, on the road, at traffic games. They're getting to know each other. On the court, it's like, back in the lobby. It's like, yo, what the fuck? Why'd you call that? You know? <laughs> my French. Oh, that's okay. You can curse on this podcast. That is hilarious, Jay. Hey, man. Well, let's see who's. I mean, I don't They're know. Old friends, you know, on the court. So, like, but you know, look, I gotta give Draymond. Draymond's a veteran. You know, he's got a lot of respect. He's got three rings. You know, the refs aren't gonna react to a guy like that the way they would to like a John Morant or a you know a, a Jalen Brown or whoever you know or Smart. You know. Draymond's proven, and he's got a guy that has a voice, and he has some say, and people are willing to listen to him on the floor. So I understand the refs at the same time. We can't be worried about that, though. Draymond has a whole other game going on, and it affected us in that game. And that's part of why they won. No, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. I just think that, you know, when something's so obvious like that, right, Jay? Like, don't you get mad? Don't you get mad? Yeah, like, I right? know, but... I get it. I remember the bad boy Pistons. Yeah. I remember how they did what they did to win games. And, you know, they're just applying that same strategy and that, you know, same idea with their, you know, villain. And, and it worked. Yeah. How we were reacting to him. Two guys almost had a fight with him in one game. Yeah. And, you know, it was like no tech, I don't think, right? No, there was nothing. It was just a basketball call, I think. I think he got a foul, but it was like a basketball call. No, was yeah. it? Well, yeah. I think the home, the home team does play an advantage with the refs, too. I mean, they do want to get home safely. And, you know, I think when you're at home, you have a little bit more leeway to get away with some of that tickies, tack, flagrant stuff that happens with Draymond and in, in between the lines. Right. And I think the refs in Boston, they weren't putting up with it. 
and they, they won't put up with it. I don't know who's refereeing the night, but uh, that's not how you're going to win games. I mean, that's, that's something that happens that gives you a slight advantage, but you still got to play defense. You still got to make your free throws. You still got to, you know, you got to hit the shot. Right. open. So, you know, I think tonight's game, I think they're going to let them play a little bit more. And I think it's the team that catches on fire tonight um, from the three ball because the, you know, everything else right now, I mean, both teams can get yeah, you're right. I agree. I agree. Um, and we're struggling in the paint against Boston right now. That kid Williams is like a rejection machine. So we yeah. got to get our yeah. game up tonight if we have a chance to win. Yeah. Hey, good luck. <laughs> All right. But hey, let's good switch gears, man. Let's talk a little bit about this, uh, this, this Hollywood stuff. You know, me and Jay, uh, we got a little history from a movie we did together called By the Gun back in 2012 with my good friend Slane, uh, Ben Barnes, Leighton Meester, Har um, Harvey Keitel. Uh, the list goes on. Um, and, and, and that was that was kind of, for me, like a, a seed planted to get, get the Hollywood bug. And Jay was a huge instrumental part of, of teaching me, you know, the ropes showing me what it takes to be on screen, have that presence. Uh, he was able to write, uh, you know, a lot of his own lines and just be himself since it was a Boston-based movie. And now, you know, Jay, I mean, Jay's been in the business for a long time. Um, and, yeah, let's talk a little bit about your career, how that all started. Uh, I, know, I know you were recently in the, the, the new Entourage reboot, uh, and you got some other things up your sleeve. So, so yeah, give us, give us some of the game and the yeah. game that you got going. Yeah, well, first of all, it was such a pleasure to work with you. I think you're a natural. You do have a lot of presence. All you got to do is be you also because you have something, you know, you have your own gift, you know. And, uh, you know, that's a great movie, by the way. You know, Emilio Moro did a good job uh, writing that movie and James Martin directing. And the cast and just the way we all bonded and united and hung out, man, that was a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, yeah, I've been chasing this for a long time. It's been a a long haul. You know, I've been doing it, you know, since I did extra work back in like 1983 when I was, you know, a young kid. And, um, you know, I used to watch the actors and, you know, being a background guy. And as a kid was excited just to be on the set, to be able to watch them perform. Now my mom was a theatrical actress and she did this to supplement her income on the side where she would be a background performer at times on some TV shows that were being filmed in Boston. And she did this while, you know, she was taking care of my brother and I, and while she did theater, community theater and whatnot. And so I got this bug early on and, you know, it's something that I ended up pursuing later on in life because I was in the music business early and was in a rap group with Mark Wahlberg and ran around the world with him. And prior to that, was in a few different groups and had a solo thing and was nominated for the Boston Music Awards in 1992 and, you know, had that musical following that brought me to Hollywood and ultimately the music business kind of transitioned and went from analog to digital and I fell in love more and more with acting. I got a shot at being on a TV show and that blossomed to getting an audition for a movie and I got both roles just by auditioning. And I attribute that to my mom, you know, from learning from her, watching her prepare, watching her do shows. She went to the New York Academy of Dramatic Arts. She took that education and she passed it and taught me everything she took from that school she gave to me, you know? And um, so for me... Um, you know, I'm just like a natural born artist. I kind of just take after my mom, you know, and, um, 
I really enjoy acting. It's something that I love. I love it so much that I started writing, producing, and directing just so I could create my own opportunities to act. And uh, most recently, I, I directed a movie that I wrote with my buddy Eric Watson. Eric was um, the guy that won Sundance with Darren Aronofsky for a movie called Pie. They went on and did Requiem for a Dream and also um, The Fountain with Hugh Jackman and you know, Black Swan, etc. Like these guys did some big stuff and you know, it was such an honor to write this movie with Eric, who's from the Bay Area. And Eric's, you know, a guy I met, became friends with, and then I learned his grandfather had Alzheimer's and I met this kid in church whose dad had Alzheimer's and he asked me if I would write the movie. So I, you know, asked Eric if he would be interested and he said, Yeah, wow, this could be something really interesting. We'd have to do a lot of research. And so the journey began where we started to research the brain, research the scientific approach, the understanding of how this disease comes about. And um, we started writing a movie about a family, a true story about this guy, Eric Hover, that I met in church. And basically, he raised a few bucks, paid us to write the movie. I helped him raise a few bucks to produce it. Ultimately, he asked me to direct it. And we got Taryn Manning and Leslie Ann Warren and Slane and uh, um, Clinton Sparks is in it and um, Tatiana Ali. Uh, just a, a wonderful cast, you know? And we made this movie and now it's coming out in July in the theater, select theaters, and also on VOD. Jay, is this your first uh, di directorial debut? Or is this well, your directorial debut? I'd, or say, I'd say yes, but, you know, it's like Scorsese, his directorial debut was you know, Raging Bull, but he made two movies before that. So similar to that, I made a couple of short films before that, which I call that my high school because I <laughs> took my own, <laughs> yeah, I took my own money, got the cameras, got some work as we went, we made a short film. Next, I got paid to do one after someone watched what I did. They were like, wow, you know what you're doing? They hired me. So after that, I made my own feature and you know, put up some money to get it going, got the camera equipment, hired a director of photography, and I wore a lot of hats because I couldn't afford, you know, to, uh, to hire, you know, 35 people because that's, you know, Tully can tell you yeah. that's what it takes. You know, it takes an army to make a movie. So I had to be a one-man army. So I wrote, produced, directed, played the lead, paid for the food, had no catering, just said, all right, if, you know, if we had 11 people working that day as actors and, and crew, I was like, let's go. We just go to a pizza place and fucking people would get subs and pizzas and we'd eat. And it'd be like, all right, like I treat it like it was a union film. I'd be like, hey, guys, that's an hour. Let's get back out there and fucking guerrilla style this. And we just went in project hallways and in and out of fucking neighborhoods that I grew up in in Southie and mm -hmm. shot this film and kicked ass on it and had a lot of fun. And I wrote and produced a bunch of songs for it i did a few with lewis bell who's like a really big producer and we made these songs and we made i made this movie and like you know people took to it but it didn't really get out on that platform where the world can see it opposed to where i'm at now with my new right. movie this is on a platform that's coming out all over the world it's going to be vld worldwide and then select theaters in the united states and then it also has a foreign deal for all the english-speaking countries like england ireland australia 
you know, places, Scotland, you know, all, all those places. And, you know, it's an important film, though. You know, it's not like my current script that I have and that I'm going to make. It's more of an action thriller. This, this movie, I decided to be my first movie that the world is going to see. I decided to make this movie because I felt that it was really important. Because, you know, there's no cure for Alzheimer's disease. And if we don't focus on, you know, important issues like that, uh, they don't get enough attention. And when they don't get enough attention, people don't donate money to the cause to help the scientists figure out how to cure the disease. So I felt like, wow, I have a chance to do something that helps millions and millions of people because there's, there's currently 5 million people in America that have Alzheimer's and you know they roughly have between five and seven family members so if you level that off to six and you times five that's 30 million people this disease affects in the united states we're hoping that that many people will be willing to download the movie and watch it and get educated and have an understanding to you know where this disease you know uh comes from and how it affects everybody and how you deal with it but we made it in a kind of a cool way it's like three brothers live in a house with their mom and dad and one brother goes off for a job and has to come home because the dad is ailing and they think he might be using drugs because there's some drug paraphernalia found and then we find out the dad's sick and we start to explore the disease with doctors and at the same time our main character has an ex-girlfriend interest played by taryn manning you know her from hustle and flow and then there's a few storylines going on at the same time as we're learning and chronicling this disease and exploring it and understanding this family's feelings and how they're going to deal with this. So it's a touching movie. And um, the distributors told me that when they watched it, they cried. And I was like, wow, you know, that's what I was trying to do when I made this movie. Because that's, yeah, that's the only way we're going to get to people. and We're going to get people to understand how serious this is. And, you know, if I can touch and reach and get those 30 million people to watch it and for them to tell their friends that aren't affected by the disease and get 50 million of people to watch it, then my movie's going to make a ton of dough. And we already set aside a percentage of the movie to go towards the Alzheimer's Association so we can have an opportunity to give back and give them a piece of this movie. So this isn't only our movie. This is their movie too. This is everybody's movie that has Alzheimer's, had Alzheimer's, or is or was affected by the disease. And, you know, I just so happened to be a filmmaker and do this for a living, but I felt like it was a great opportunity to be able to give back because that's something that, you know, you want to do and that brings a joy to making the movie also. Like, hey, man, we're not just making a movie, we're making a difference. Yeah. I, well, I appreciate that specifically because I have multiple people um, in my life that passed away from Alzheimer's. So I, I appreciate oh it so much for that. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, but yeah, I appreciate, you know, any awareness because you're right. It's not a curable disease right now. You know, so it's, it's really, really hard. It was hard on my family as well. It was hard on, you know, everybody else um, that knew these two people. Um, one in particular was my uncle Sam, but like he, I just, yeah, I, I'm so grateful that you make it. More movies need to be made like this. Um, and I'm just quite grateful that you're actually doing something. I always say people need to actually have action in um, certain things like this. Like if you're willing to bring forth the problem, you need some, you need to solve the problem or have something in the background, like solving the problem or something like that. So I'm, I'm so glad you're doing that jay and um so great yeah, thank you, for you doing know this. it's about taking action and that's what we did because you know when i seen eric hover uh 
you know, in church and he was telling me about his dad and how he goes home sometimes. And this kid's out here in LA trying to be an actor and uh, a producer. And he goes home and he goes in the house and like his father's looking at him and it's like a standoff. And his mother has to come out and she's like, Paul, what's going on? And he's like, who's this? And she's like, what do you mean? That's your son. It's your middle son. It's Eric. And he's like, you're my son. And he's like, well, yeah, dad, I'm, I'm Eric. I'm your son. He's like, look at, look at this picture right here. That's your desk, right? Look at that picture of me and you playing. I was playing baseball and it's like, it's so sad, you know, to, to understand that, to see somebody go through that. I just felt yeah. like, wow. And like, this is right around the time still Alice was made and there was an Academy Award one and they focused on Alzheimer's, but like we, we went into this in a different way. I talk about uh, an aspect of Alzheimer's disease that is called frontotemporal dementia. And what that is, is that affects the frontal lobes of the brain and they deteriorate. And so that's what we chronicle. And that's the, the branch of uh, Alzheimer's that we investigate and that we bring to the public because there are different types of Alzheimer's disease, just like there are different types of cancers. Right. Right. It sounds like uh, something that would be prevalent amongst boxers and football players who take so much damage to the frontal lobe. Um, I'm probably I'm probably going to have to go through that at some point in my life, you know, knock on wood. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm sure it affects anyone that even in general. But um, it's scary stuff, man. It's, it's really, you know, that's one of the scariest things that I, I can think of is, is losing your memory and, and your ability to talk to your family and, and put words together. I mean, it's... It's a scary disease, man, and uh, I am glad that you're bringing awareness to it. What's the name? What's going to be the name, or do you have a working title for the movie? Yeah, well, the name of the movie is It Snows All the Time, and the reason why that is the name of the movie is because when Eric was walking with his dad one day in Nebraska, and his dad was out of it, he said, Dad, let's go this way because there was you know, some road work being done, and they weren't able to cross the street. They had to go around. And his father said, he, his father said, yeah, all the construction. Yeah, it snows here a lot. And his son said, dad, it's July. It's not snowing. And he goes, no, it is. And he looked at him and he was like, wow, in my dad's mind, it's snowing. So we put that to uh, the character and said, you know, in a guy's brain that has frontotemporal dementia, Alzheimer's, in his mind, he's going through a really bad storm, and we have to look at it like that. It's snowing all the time in this guy's mind. Got it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, 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 I get a little choked up when I think of this story. And, you know, recently Paul had passed away, uh, Paul Hover, who we, you know, based the movie on and everything. And so right around the time he passed away, we got the call that, you know, we sold the movie. It's coming out in the theater. And, you know, it's just like a, a weird blessing because it took a long time to sell the movie. And, you know, as a filmmaker, I was almost, you know, contemplating my career, to be honest with you. Like, wow, did I make a good movie? Like, why didn't this sell? Like, is this not coming out? Or, you know, and then, you know, it just takes a lot of hard work and getting it out there. And that's what Eric and uh, one of our other producers, Chad, and, and the crew did, and they worked really hard to get it to, you know, the right agents and people to distribute the movie. And, you know, I'm really proud of these guys because that was our goal and we did it. And then all, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I'm bona fide now. Now I'm in position to make my next movie and it's going to be for a lot of money. 
and I'm going to be able to make another movie that I want to make and that I'll enjoy making. And, you know, this time it's going to be an action movie. You know, I made movies like that with Jason Statham and Martin Scorsese. And, you know, I love action movies. It's just something I really enjoy being a part of, you know, because, you know, the martial arts, the kickboxing or the fighting or whatever you create your character to have for a defense becomes part of that character. So it's so much fun casting and finding the right people to be the villain up against that character and carry a story that's really fast paced and moving. And it seems like the movies these days now uh, aren't as important as it snows all the time, but they are important because they're very entertaining and keeping people entertained through a pandemic and through a tough time where we're going through a depression and inflation. And then it seems like entertainment really escalates and really evolves during these times. You know what I mean, Tully? Yeah. Oh, big time. I think, you know, we, we definitely use entertainment as a crutch uh, in the world that we're living in right now, because without it, I mean, people would be going mad. And I think it gets people's minds and attention off of some of the negative things that are going on outside. Uh, and, you know, it's therapeutic to, to some degree and you can learn a lot. So, yeah, I mean, we're, yeah. we're a great industry. Um, you know, I, I think what you're doing is very vital uh, for, and, and movies like this need to be made. I know you got some other movies that you're working on. Um, and, and all of them have a, you know, a message, whether it's, you know, subliminal or right in your face. So, um, I just keep up the good work, man. I know you have the other one with Leonardo DiCaprio. I, I know we could talk about that as well, but that's, that's, I know a little bit more down the line, maybe next year. Yeah. That's the Willie Peck movie. It's a boxing movie that I'm a producer wrong with Appy and Way and uh, Jimmy Matteo is uh, starring in the movie, plays Willie Pep. There's a great cast, great crew. Our director was nominated for an Academy Award this year for his documentary and we have an excellent uh, you know, production team of Academy Award winners and nominees and people that are really talented and know how to execute a film and, and make a great film. And on that one I had learned a lot and I, I was able to also act in the film like I love to do and um, yeah be ready for that it's called pep and uh, it's gonna be coming soon and then you know I have a few other movies coming out that I'm excited about and uh, you know on my social media it's at Jay Giannone on Instagram and TikTok and um, Twitter so if you follow me there I'll be updating everybody with information and I'll be showing the trailer to the upcoming films like very soon. So uh, follow me there at, at my name at JJ Noni and I did. Hell yeah. All right. Well, we have, we're going to definitely be on the lookout, man. Um, and so, yeah, we're at that point of the show. I got to hit you with the rundown before we get out of here, but let's go. Uh, it's exciting. You know, we got the game for tonight. Uh, we got, you got your movies coming. So it's a good time, man. It's a good time for, for the world. And, yep. and for, for, for us. So, with no further ado, let's go ahead and hit you with that rundown. Alright. Here we go. First question. Would you rather be a bird or a fish? A fish. Yes! <laughs> we got one! We got, we got one. one! We got one! Nobody says fish, Jay. Everybody says bird. I love the water. And, uh... I'm already in Hollywood swimming with the sharks, so I think I'd be doing okay. Yes. Mm, strong. That's what I'm talking about, brother. All right. We got a fish. Can't say that anymore. All right. Next question. Um, 
Would you rather? Would you rather? Let's see. Now, let's say. Would you rather have more money or more time? Huh. More time. More time. You know, I'll tell you why. Okay, because with more time, you can make more money. With more time, you have more time to be with your family. Mm. Family is what it's all about. Money second, family first. God above all. Without God, we don't have family or money. Mm. Truth. Okay, that's, that's, that's a good answer. I agree with that one. Next question. Oh, my, mo my mom would love you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her I, say. I will. All right. Then my love. Would you rather, I will. Would you rather have a horse's tail or a, or a unicorn horn? Huh. I'll take the horse's tail because that's more practical and believable. I don't know if unicorns really exist. In my mind, they do. But I'll take, you know, the horse's tail, I guess. Born horse's tail. Okay. All right. I throw in a couple random questions here and there. Would you rather be a clown who distracts the bull or the cowboy that rides the bull? I'd rather be the cowboy that rides the bull. Okay. I'd be scared shit, but I'd do it. You would do that. <laughs> okay, a couple more. Uh, would you rather continue with your life the way it's going now or restart uh, and start all over again? I'd rather continue with the way it's going now because the lessons that I have, they're just, they're, they're unbelievable and they're, they're priceless. Mm. Love it. I love that. I love that. Okay, well, let's go ahead and get to the moment of truth. And the moment of truth question for you, Jay, is if All you right. pick one actor to play you in a movie about you, who would it be? My son, John. Oh, my God. That's the sweetest answer I've ever heard. <laughs> that is so sweet. <laughs> Yeah, he's a talent. He's a good little actor. He's done a couple of films. He's, you know, out there hitting the pavement, auditioning and making me proud. So I believe in him and he's really good. I wouldn't just say that, you know, if I thought yeah. he should get into something else, I'd tell him, be a writer or a director or a producer, stay around the game. But he's <laughs> actually got leading man looks and he's talented and he puts in the work. I love that. Oh, that's a great answer, man. Shout out to John, man. Cool. Okay, man. Yep. Well, hey, maybe you Thank got a, bio, a biopic coming soon, right? Maybe we get the the life of Jay. Yeah. Point down the road. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Appreciate you guys, man. Thank you so hey, much for having me. Dog, man. Yeah, really no, thank you so much, Jay. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure meeting you. Yep, and we'll we'll be talking soon, brother. Yeah, let's stay in touch and hopefully we can do this again. We'll do it again. Absolutely. You got it. Dynamite. Got it. All right, guys. All right, thank you. Well, that's our show. All right, y'all. I'll talk to you guys soon. Ha, 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 let a baller. No. And peace out. Hey. Hey. You should just feel the show with him. Then I sit him down. Get up now. Put it down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.